What is going on, everybody? It is Saturday, January 20th, Season 6, Episode 3. It's the Combat Series 2, UFC 297, Sean Strickland versus Dreykus, Duplessis. It's going to be live tonight. Main card going on at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. From Scotiabank Arena, the home of the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Toronto Raptors. What is going on, everybody? And if you're listening to this, you're listening to it on short notice, as the pay-per-view is today. I wanted to get this out earlier in the week, but to be honest with you, I really struggled this week with coming up with how I wanted to do this, and I almost didn't. I almost didn't do it, but I decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to get this out, um, and I want to figure out by trial and error of what works best. And if you're listening to this today, I'm going to try to give a little breakdown and uh, background of MMA and the basics behind how it works and how you can gamble on it, which is more than likely why you're listening to this Tailgoats podcast because a lot of the people that listen are either fans of the sport or they want to get some tidbits or nuggets and what I'm going to do from here on out is I'm going to give my play on each of the five uh, fights that are on the main card, not necessarily just the main event. And I'm not telling you to um, take all of them, but what I'm going to do, much like primetime picks, I'm going to come up with a unit, and I'm going to put a unit on each of my final picks, which will be on the podcast and then, of course, on the Discord. But without further ado, and I don't want to keep these very long because I want the idea to be, hey, I can knock out this podcast in 10 to 15 minutes and get everything I need before the um, pay-per-view. What I'd also recommend you do is if you have access to Hulu, I'd watch UFC Embedded the week of a pay-per-view, which in the UFC there's roughly a pay-per-view every month. Sometimes there's... They'll go a month without one, but uh, we are in the kickoff to the 2024 UFC calendar. There are no seasons in the UFC. It's always an ongoing thing like boxing. Um, PFL has kind of championed champion these seasons things, and I, and I can never imagine UFC ever going to that. But without further ado, I'm going to kind of run over the basics here real quick. The basics of MMA in the league of the championship league of UFC, there's a referee in the ring and three judges ringside. And very much like boxing, it's judged on 10 point criteria, meaning that there's a winning winner, winning fighter each round and a losing fighter each round. Um, now granted in, in very, uh, Rare situations, they could judge that it was so close that it was a 10-10 tie, but it's on a 10-point scale. And the, the ringside judges are looking for for three main things and what they call effective. Effective striking, effective aggressiveness, and effective fighting uh, ring control. And I'm going to kind of go with these in reverse order of what I just mentioned because I, I think that that's the easiest. Um 
fighting ring control, you'll you'll see when you watch uh, UFC that they they fight in an octet- octagon and they have the rights to fighting in that shape. But within the octagon, you'll see another octagon outline, and that's what's really defined as fighting in the middle of the ring. And ring ownership of that area, if you're constantly on the outside, the the fighter that's on the inside is what they call controlling the octagon. That's not the end-all, be-all. You don't want to just keep cutting the guy off. But if you're having issues getting your back off of the wall, typically the guy that's in the inside of the octagon or you know pushing you up against the wall has somewhat of an advantage by cutting you off. Um Effective aggressiveness. This isn't just walking forward and walking an opponent down. It's also the lack of backing up and running from an opponent. And, you know, the UFC does not deduct uh, or yellow card any fighters for doing so much like like pride in the past where you could lose a, a point for running from the opponent. This is, you know, walking your opponent down and, you know, Creating the action. So the refs are going to be looking at, you know, who's more most active and, you know, who is, you know, trying to end the fight or win, win position. Um, just standing in the middle of the octagon trying to trade ticky-tack blows, um, it, it, it's leaving it in the judge's hands of, hey, you know, this guy may have outstruck the other one by a handful of punches and, to be honest, like it's anybody's guess who, which referee is going to pick win, uh, fighter A over fighter B. So the last but not least, effective striking. And once again, this is not just your one twos, uh, ones punch, uh, meaning your left versus your right hitting, just striking. Um, these are who are th- who's throwing more effective uh, blows to the head, the body, and the legs that are having an impact on the fight. Um, and, you know, they, they call these significant strikes. And you'll watch on the screen, ESPN uh, will try to estimate how many of the strikes are significant. And that's something to pay attention to. Um, obviously, you know, it, for some fans, the the grappling and wrestling and, and sometimes the jiu-jitsu can be relatively boring. I, on the other hand... You know, I'm I'm a purist in it I, that I appreciate all aspects of the of the sport, and I think all of them are just gorgeous. Fighting, you know, being able to transition to the ground, get off your back, fighting from your back. Um, but you can't just uh, get a takedown and just lay there. The the takedowns are most effective if you get the takedown and you look to finish the fight by way of knockout or submission, which gets us. To my next point of the ways that you can win a fight, the number one one that is can be the most confusing at the time with the UFC because there is no live scoring is by decision. And that'll end up with in the, the the judges' scorecards, and they'll tally up the scores of each round and any point deductions and give a final scorecard over to the ring announcer. Secondly, Knockout or TKO. This one is not on the ringside judges, but it is on the referee to decide when in peril the the the, the referee thinks that either A, 
one of the opponents or fighters is knocked out, or B, the other fighter has taken so much significant damage that he or she is no longer uh, able to protect themselves. And the referee is in there to protect the fighters as well, which is very, 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 very important. Um, this can be controversial. There's times where, you know, you'll hear someone say like, oh, you know, like it's a championship fight that the champion should go down um, and be knocked out uh, before a stoppage. No, these guys are very high-paid athletes. They have families to go home to. The, the referee is in there to um, protect the fighters as well. And sometimes it stops too early. And sometimes it can be incredibly ugly where there's one or two punches that the fighter is completely defenseless, and those are life-altering punches. Submission. Submissions are, you know, when you get your opponent in a position that they can't take the pain any longer, and they have to physically or verbally tap out to the referee with a, a, a visible tap more often than not. The, clearly to everybody we know the fight is over. Once again, unfortunately, this can be kind of controversial if there there is, you know, a tap that doesn't look necessarily like the fight's just over. But sometimes the ref has to, to step in again and, like, say, hey, he can't. He can't even tap out. So there is some subjective nature to this. Uh, by retirement, a finish by retirement is simply you know you can't get back to the center of the ring after the end of a round, and usually that's you know kind of like throwing in the towel. Doctor stoppage. That's when the referee will have the doctor come in the ring, and the doctor could signify that hey, this fire can't continue, and it, it it's at that point, subjective to the doctor. And they have a discussion. They sometimes review film. And last but not least, DQ. And I think that's the that's the six really main ones. I can't think of anything else that uh, would be a way to finish a fight. Anywho, kind of a long explanation there. I won't do it again, um, hence why this episode may be a little bit longer than typically what I'd like to do, but... We've got five fights we want to review, and I'm going to run through these. First off, at 145 featherweight, we've got Mavzar. Uh, it's Ev Voyer. Or Ev Voyev. This, these are tough sometimes. It's Mavzar Ev Voyev. He's a 17-0 freestyle fighter, and he's coming to the fight at minus 185, and your your gambling basics means there you have to put $185 on him to win by any means necessary to win $100. He's coming off of seven straight wins, um, six of them by uh, unanimous decision, and uh, he held and defended the M1 belt four times. That's the big thing on him is he's one of the biggest prospects, hottest prospects in the uh, UFC today. Uh, he's facing Arnold Allen, 19-2 striker. He's plus 160 on the money line. He had 12 straight wins uh, before having a unanimous decision loss to Max Holloway. And uh, he he's knocked out Calvin Cater. It's kind of a questionable knockout. There was an injury somewhat. And he also uh, knocked out Dan Hooker. Um, this is a good fight, and people are predicting that this could be the fight of the night outside of the, the main event. And it's right, right at 10 p.m. Listen, this one is tough. Um, they're both very, very good fighters, both very good records. Um, Arnold Allen is dangerous. 
But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take uh, Evoyev by decision minus 125 on DraftKings. I'm not going to fault you if you take Arnold Allen by knockout, which is plus 750. Um, he can knock out Evoyev. I just think that uh, Mavzar is going to uh, increase his record to 18-0 kind of by a drag-it-out boring decision. That's fight number one. Fight number two are two names that we're familiar with at 185, which is middleweight Chris Curtis versus our first Canadian of the night, Mark andre Berryu. Chris Curtis is coming in at the veteran, 30 and 10, 40 fights. He's a striker, minus 185 on the money line. He's 4-2-1 and one his last seven. He's on a two-fight winning streak, but lost to Kelvin Gasolum in UFC 287. Barry Hughes coming in plus 154 on the money line with a record of 16-6. He's 5-2 and two in his last seven with a two, uh, two-fight win streak in the UFC. And this is something that we see the UFC do a lot. They'll find two guys, one up and what kind of up-and-comer and a vet on winning streaks and, um, you know, put them up on a, on a good matchup based on a, on a UFC pay-per-view. My official pick here, I like Barry U plus 154 win by on the money line. Any means necessary. I think that Chris Curtis is a great fighter. I think he's, you know, a little past his prime. He's fought a lot of people, but um, I think that the Canadian uh, crowd is just going to be awesome and will kind of carry Mark Andre, Andre Barry U to a win. So, so far, I've got uh, Mavzar Evoyev by decision minus 125 and Mark Andre bury you by any means necessary plus 154 so some nice dog money uh to kick off the first two fights moving on 170 pounds welterweight third fight of the night Mike Malat versus Neil Magny once again they're gonna bring in another uh Canadian a Dana White's contender series guy he's won and has three more wins in the UFC uh he won, I'm sorry, he won Dana White's Contender Series matchup and then three more wins in the UFC. So four-fight win streak. Uh, he's 10-1-1, and, and he's minus 375 on the money line. He is a good submission fighter. Uh, Neil Magny, on the other hand, 40 fights as well. Another 40-fight uh, veteran on the card. He's plus 295 on the money line. I really have Neil here as a, as a gatekeeper. Um, he's he's fought absolutely everybody. He's beaten Kevin Gastelum, Johnny Hendricks. He lost to RDA, beat Carlos Condit, beat Rob Lawler. He lost to Michael Chiesa. He's fought everybody. He's fought everybody. He's um, one and two in his last three with losses to Gilbert Burns and Ian Gary. <laughs> this is another one. I won't fault anybody for taking Neil Magny plus 295 on the money line by any means necessary. But I really like Mike Malott here, plus 100 by submission. Any any round by submission. Um, he's a submission artist, and I just think that, you know, this is a tough matchup in his way. It's the biggest fight of his career. Obviously, his he's a, uh, career is just off to a young start with only 12 fights and four of them in the UFC. And that's why I'm saying I wouldn't fault anybody for taking Neil Magny plus 295, but... Nonetheless, my official pick is Mike Malott by submission plus 100 on the money line. Then we got two title fights. Uh, this is the 135-pound 
women's bantamweight title, which is vacant due to Amanda Nunez winning it and then retiring. You got Myra Bueno Silva versus Raquel Pennington. All right. So, before I say anything about this fight, I hate this fight. This division is kind of a mess. And Myra's very much favorite, minus 162 on the money line. She's 10-2-1, labeled as a striker. And if anything, this is like Raquel Pennington's chance to to win this this belt finally. It's it's eluded her her whole entire career. She's 15-9, and nine, labeled as a freestyle striker. And she's plus 136 on the money line. You know, she's beat Misha Tate in 2016, and then she had the life-threatening ATV accident. Um, she knocked out by Amanda Nunez in 2018 in her only title appearance, and she's back. I don't know. Something something tells me here that um, Raquel, it, it's her turn to win win this belt, and she's done. She's fought a lot for the UFC, and I just can't. I, I can't wrap my head my head around taking Myra at minus one sixty two. 162 against um, that much experience in in the UFC. So I'm taking Raquel Pennington plus 136 on the money line uh, by any means necessary. Okay, this one has me juiced. This is the 185-pound middleweight title. And in the words of Bruce Buffer, this is the one you have all been waiting for. Um, this is the main event. It'll probably go on a little bit after midnight, knowing what I've looked at on the cards. I'm not seeing a lot of knockouts or anything. I'm seeing a lot of fights that are going to kind of drag out on, on the main pay-per-view. And this is a very, very, very close fight. As the money indicates, Sean Strickland at minus 112 and Dreykus Duplessis. At minus 108, Sean Strickland, 15-5 and five in the UFC. He had back-to-back losses uh, to Alex Paella and Jerry Cannonier before going on a three-fight win streak and beating Israel Adesanya in, the, in one of the biggest upsets in UFC history. Um, Dreykus Duplessis is 20-2. Uh, he's purely an MMA fighter. Uh, he's not late, not kind of a stand up in, in, in trade in the middle guy like uh, Sean Strickland with his awkward like karate like stance. Drykus is on an eight uh, fight win streak, six and zero in uh, UFC, and this title run was more than earned. He submitted Darren Till, he knocked out Derek Brunson, he knocked out Robert Whitaker. And there is bad blood between the two, and the bad blood is kind of explained as Sean Strickland says anything that comes to his mind. He's not like a cancel cancel culture guy by any means. He said some offensive stuff about Dreykus as it pertains to him and his coach, uh, the way they like embrace before the fight. Um, and that caused Dreykus to, to call out um, childhood abuse by Sean Strickland's father, which, I mean... <laughs> Both kind of topics are kind of dirty trash talk, and both are kind of what I would consider, you know, kind of off limits. You know, I wouldn't stoop to that level on either side. Um, and they, by accident, a couple uh, pay per views ago, um, I believe it's two, maybe two ninety six that Dana White had sat them like two rows apart from each other, and then they ended up getting a. In a fist fight um, <laughs> during the pay-per-view, which 
has led us up to this point and very much you have uh uh I would say WWE esque buildup. Um this one's tough. I'm I'm literally gonna enjoy this fight and I'm glad it's a coin flip because then I can take either fighter by uh just any means necessary and I wouldn't fault anybody. Um there's levels to this game, and I think that Sean Strickland's just turned into an absolutely polished fighter. He's a guy that doesn't really uh, do kind of any exorbitant training other than he spars every single day, which is just insane. His training is just sparring. I just I don't know how he just doesn't literally die in training camp. My official pick for UFC 297's main event is Sean Strickland. By the money line minus one twelve, and I'm not gonna be surprised if I'm wrong here. Um, I'm hoping that I'm up on the card. That way, I can have a little fun and you know put a unit down and um, just kind of enjoy um, the fight um, because it's gonna be a good one. I think that um, if Alex can stand in the middle and trade, um, he's going to win the fight. If he's able to defend takedowns and the whole approach that Drykus do plus C will will bring the table, I think that every end of round, I think Drykus is going to be very, 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 very aggressive. And we're going to see where uh, do plus C's uh, gas tanks act because I could be wrong, but it, it, it's, his, it's absolutely his first five-round fight, I believe, in the UFC Um which is massively different because if you're new to uh, the UFC, the non-title fights or main events um, are three-round fights, and then the main event and title fights are five-round fights. And I'm looking at it right now, and he has never at least went to a fourth-round Drykus and... In actuality, he's had one fight in the UFC ever go to the to the judges' scorecards. It looks like. So I'm taking Sean Strickland by any knockout finish, just strictly the money line. All right, so we will be back next month for UFC 298 with the build up to UFC 300 and a um, lot more to come. Gonna get a lot more. Fighters on here that I'm excited about, and uh, I guess take it from here, Jameis. You know, one thing my uh, my trainer he told me, he said, "What did he say?" This is the Tail Goats podcast, powered by Go Cleveland Productions.